0: This morning, when I woke up, uh, I, I did something that, that maybe some of you do. I have this little bottle, it's a little glass bottle, and I kind of poured I wasn't taking drugs, I just kind of like put it over and a little drop fell on my tongue and I took a, a little portion of vitamin D. Does anybody ever do that? like add some vitamin D to their diet, and, uh, and i just, I just been trying that for a little while, and one of the reasons is we're in the middle of winter, right? And uh, Montreal is not the sunniest place in Canada. In fact, I've understood that, that Quebec is less sunny than the western provinces as well, so there's even a difference in how much sun we get. And so when we're missing sun, people feel it. In fact, without sun, often people get grouchy. And um, they often will get distracted. Sometimes they can get depressed. And sunlight has this incredible potential of literally affecting us. Isn't it crazy that sunlight can actually create vitamin D in us and help us in the way we think and feel and express ourselves and respond? And it actually does more than that. The sun provides warmth. The sun provides um, you know light, visibility, atmosphere. And here's this one line I want to start with today. And it's a line that is going to take us through today's message. There is life in light. Just think about that for a second. There is life in light. It's true. When there is no light, for an extended period of time, I mean, sometimes we're okay with the dark for a little while, but if there's no light or it's cloudy or whatever, it, like, life drops just a little bit. There is life in light. And when we think about light... Just the concept of it, it's so necessary, right? It provides vision and clarity and productivity and warmth. It also helps us grow. It helps things in our garden grow in the summer. And in a strange way, we can also say it's not just physical, but in some ways, light often provides hope and purpose in so many different ways. And uh, I want to kind of th- just stick on this theme today because we're in a series called I Am, and we're exploring seven statements that Jesus made in the, in the Gospel of John. Um, and we've, we're on our second one today, but a couple of weeks ago we had a guest named Kenzo. He came and he introduced us to this short little phrase I am that I am when God revealed himself to Moses. And Moses understood through that phrase, and we understand through that phrase that God is who he is, he is who he was, and he Is who he will be all at once. And then Jesus takes that phrase and uses it to describe himself to his first listeners. And we get to read that in John's gospel specifically. And this, these statements, amazing statements that help us discover who Jesus is, but also who God is in the person of Jesus. That's really, really important for us. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8, and we're going to jump into one of these phrases today. It's the second one in this series, and um, you can follow on the screen or follow in your Bibles if you have them or on your phone. And So, so let's just start reading from verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. And then they asked him, well, where is your Father? Jesus says, you don't know me or my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. And he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Let's just pause and pray for a moment. Guys, as we open up this text, as we just slow, slow down um, this morning and pay attention uh, to what's written in the scriptures, and literally here as we're reading the words of Jesus. Um, captivate our attention, we pray, and help us see more clearly who you are and who you are in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And as Jesus starts off, this conversation and actually it's more of a conflict as we keep we kept reading that text it's, it's really like a revolutionary declaration or maybe you might say it's a revelatory declaration because in that statement he reveals to us more of who he is he reveals something about himself about his identity and he also reveals in these statements and this one today more about who God is when we see Jesus we see the Father and we can read that all over the New Testament just discerning and understanding that the best reflection and expression of God is Jesus. And the context is pretty interesting because we find Jesus very likely at the end of a, of a very popular annual feast that the Jews would have participated in. If you go back to, uh, to John chapter 7, we see Jesus right in the middle of this festival or this feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And, uh, and it's, it's very likely, especially how the context goes, that he's still in that moment. I know if you read the first part of chapter 8, it might seem disjointed, and partly because it could have been maybe an addition or comment or or story that John puts in. If you read from Jap- chapter 7 to chapter 8, you get the sense that Jesus is very likely at the end of the feast or just as it ends. And this festival is important. This Feast of Tabernacles commemorates something really vital in Israel's history. One of the most popular things that often comes up in our teaching here is that Israel's their 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 freedom from slavery in Egypt but this particular feast is God leading them through the wilderness for 40 years after they're rescued out of Egypt and so this festival this eight day festival is this sense that God has led them in the middle of the wilderness or the darkness when they felt like they were aimless and not knowing where to go and what to do and where to turn, and they needed direction. And part of the story, if you go back to Exodus, you understand that one of the ways God led them was during the day there was a cloud uh, there was a cloud for them to see, and at night there was a pillar of fire. And this pillar of fire was the light that they needed at night when no electricity existed, to get through the wilderness, to get through their journey, this light for Israel to travel. So God became headlights for them. You know, he provided these headlights into... Have you ever kind of tested that? I freak out my family when we're driving late at night and I turn off the lights. They're like, wait, where are we going? And Because when you're driving 100 you know, kilometers an hour, and you shut the lights, you have no clue what's happening next. But I just do it literally for a second. But even for that second, it's like, wait, you know? And, and, and now you're like, I'm never driving long distance with Dave. But, but God provides these headlights into the wilderness, and it's like God becomes their GPS, where to turn, where to go, what to do. And this becomes this image that they're celebrating in this festival. They're also, if you think about the idea of light, if you read some parts of the Old Testament, but particularly Jewish literature that reflected on this over the years, light became a symbol, a metaphor for lots of things. It became a a metaphor for God. It became a metaphor for the Torah, the law, the temple, The patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses who brought the law, some of the kings like David. Light was referred, Israel was referred to light, a light to the nations that God would use them to be a light to the world. The Messiah, God's promised anointed one, was seen as as light in a sense that would lead God's people into God's future. So imagine this scene for a second. It tells us at the end that Jesus is standing near the treasury, near where people would bring their offerings, which was part of the temple that was called the Court of Women. And it was in this part where there was these four 75-foot lampstands erected and four large lights, I'm assuming it was fire, that they would light at night every night of the festival to remember the pillar of fire that led Israel through the wilderness. And it was said that when these things went on, when they lit them up, the whole temple was lit up, that light went into the streets of the city. So I just want you to imagine that theme, that, that scene for a moment. And it's, it was a celebration. I mean, you think parties are parties, but I mean, it's, it, the celebration was known that people danced and celebrated all night. It was, this was a celebratory moment, remembering what God did. And in the, in behind the image of this light that God led them through the wilderness, imagine the images, the metaphors that the Jews would have had. The Torah was light. The temple was light. Messiah was light. Israel was called to be light. The patriarchs were light. The awaited Messiah was light. And here's Jesus standing there, standing there making this declaration in the middle of these lights, maybe the brightest spot in the room, and some might say they had just distinguished the light. So just after recognizing these lights don't last forever, Jesus says this word. Whatever, wherever he said it, he says these words. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Again, picture the scene. Imagine the scene. And Jesus, if you go back to chapter 7, said some other incredible things. But in this moment, at the end of this festival, he says this declaration, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, What a powerful scene. I, it would just be so cool to recognize that. I can imagine what that might feel like in our culture in some ways where we can get caught up with what we think has been light for us or think has been meaning or purpose for us. remember my wife and I, uh, sorry, I came back from a trip and my wife and kids picked me up at the train station and it was Saturday night and the mural festival was going on, uh, down not downtown, but I think it was on, uh, it could have been on St. Laurent Street. So I had come from like, a conference in Barrie, Ontario. Barrie's nice, but it's not Montreal, right? Like 100,000 people and it's cool, but you know, it kind of looks like a like an American city with pop-up stores and stuff like that. Sorry, I'm not I'm not knocking Barrie if anybody listens to a podcast from Barrie, then they're going to get mad at me. But here's here's what I was thinking. And we come back, we go to this go to this festival because then we walk into the middle of this crowd of people the, the the streets are lit up. There's food everywhere. There's kiosks all over the place. When you look up on one of the brick walls, there was like literally like a kind of a techno band playing, and there was a party going on there. And there was, I mean, it was just incredible, you know, kind of from Barrie to downtown Montreal and see this. And I can imagine in the middle of that scene, someone standing up and saying, "I will show you true life. I will show you true meaning. I will show you and lead you into this." Now, before we apply this personally, I want you to consider the significance of what Jesus does. He does two things, at least, maybe more, but two two things we'll highlight. One is, Jesus fulfills all the metaphors. When Jesus says this, he fulfills all the metaphors. He fulfills the need for Torah, the need for the temple, uh, the need for the tabernacle. He surpasses Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, David, the prophets. He literally takes on Israel's vocation to be the light to the nations. Isaiah prophesies that, that Israel would be a light to the world. Israel often failed in that vocation. Jesus comes in. He becomes the light to the nations. He he fulfills that metaphor. He does and is the awaited Messiah, God's anointed one. Jesus fulfills all the metaphors when he says this statement. John already alludes to this. John chapter 1, verse 17, he says, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 5 39 says, Jesus is responding to this conversation with him, and he's like, He says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. No, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus fulfills all the metaphors. When he says that statement, it's, it's something more profound than just declaring that he's the light of the world. He's fulfilling what has come before him. But he does more than that. He does more than fulfill the metaphors. He tells us that he is light because he is God. He is light because he is God. He points to Jesus to himself being God. John 1. And John alludes this. It's amazing if you read all of John's gospel. And if you've clued into our Lent readings this year, we're just reading through John's gospel. And even as I've just done the readings and, and like thinking of this series, there's all these little connections going on. And first, John starts off. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then here, verse 4 and 5. In him, referring to Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And John tells us that word, the Logos, referring to Jesus, was at creation creating. He is God. When Jesus stands up and says that, he's not just fulfilling all the metaphors. He's saying he is God. He is light because he is God. But this disturbs the Pharisees. They don't just have a conversation, they have a conflict. And that often happens when Jesus says something like this. And the, and the Pharisees are asking him, well, who are you? Like, who are you to say this? And in our law, it says that you need two testimonies anyways to affirm this. Who affirms that you're the light of the world? Who affirms this in any, in any such way? By what testimony are you sharing this? You can't be your own witness. And Jesus says, well, first of all, you don't know where I'm coming from. Where I'm coming from and who I am, I can say this anyways. So he kind of like lays the foundation, like, look, I already have the authority. But if you really want to come to the law and the two-testimony deal and how that rule fits, we do have two witnesses, me and my father. I'm a witness. My father's a witness. I'll prove to you that this is credible. And they just simply ask, well, where's your dad? Who's your dad? What are you talking about? And of course, for him to say that the father was God and the father has a testimony with him and they're... Equal would be blasphemous. But they're asking, well, where's your dad? And he simply says, well, if you don't know me, if you can't recognize who I am, you really don't know God. You really don't know my father. If you don't know me, you don't know my father. And this is this rebuke that Jesus gives to the religious leaders. You have missed God. You have missed God. You have been following this faith and this religion. You've been even commemorating this feast of tabernacles, but you have missed God because if you've missed me, you've missed my Father. If you've missed my words, you've missed His words. If you've missed me, you're missing what He's doing right now. If you haven't recognized me, you don't really know God. And they've missed it. And their condition reflects sometimes our condition or the condition of the world. That we can be lost in our confusion, that we, we can be lost in our pride, that we can be lost in our thinking, that we can get caught up in our own actions and decisions and then follow down a road and realize that we're not, or maybe we don't realize it, but God does. We're, comp- we're just kind of off on a detour. We're missed what God is doing. That's what happened when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near. Those, many of those people didn't see it. They missed it. That's why they didn't turn and repent and say, I'm going to go with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, if you're missing me and you don't know me, you don't know what God is up to. And their condition is our condition at times, becoming blind to God's activity. And so here's the heart of what this looks like. We've kind of seen what it does in its fulfillment and significance, but this is what it does for you and me. Because it does what light does. Jesus is the light. What does that mean? It means a couple of things. What does light do? And what does Jesus do? Well, first thing, Jesus, or him being light, provides direction, right? Right? Light provides direction. I mean, isn't it incredible that as phones got so detailed and you can do so much with your phone, what is the one feature that often many of us use on our phone? Is it, isn't this this feature? Of all the things that my phone can do, we get caught up with we need light. It's I mean, this $1,000 flashlight. I mean, and you can kind of like, it's amazing if I can just kind of get my phone to work here this way. But yeah, I mean, it's, its how many of you guys use this this feature often? Yeah, I mean, a lot of us. And, and it's amazing because we can do tons of stuff with this, but we often use light. Uh, we went camping several years ago, beautiful place that some people actually at Westside referred to us, and we loved it, and we've been camping before, but one of the things My wife had said, was Dave, next time we camp, could we be a little closer to the bathrooms? (laughs) I said, why? She's like, I don't want to walk in the dark to the bathroom. (laughs) That's basically it, you know? And uh, the one flashlight doesn't do justice to, I guess, walking through the woods at night for some people, right? And so these little things become really handy, right? There is this, beyond the fulfillment of Jesus in this, part of it is God's ultimate guidance for us. Light provides direction. Light shows us the way, and one of the ultimate longings in the human heart and human experience is guidance and wisdom and direction and a pathway forward. NT Wright says this about the text: He says Jesus illumines a pathway out of out of a dark forest for the lost and lonely. I love that just the imagery. Jesus illumines a pathway forward. And even when the scriptures in the Psalms say, you know, God's word is a lamp unto our feet, right? Jesus is the word. He's the light. He's he provides direction. But you know, it's interesting, most people, if today you were going, you know, you needed to go downtown, and I said, do you want me to tell you how to get there? You'd probably say, no, Dave, I know how to get downtown, don't worry, I live in Montreal, I'm fine. Or if if you're maybe looking for new work, and I say, well, you want me to help you find some work? You might say, well, listen, I can Google search, I can get on these websites, I can maybe network with some friends. And you might say, uh, like, I need to buy something on Amazon, can I show you how to use your credit card? Like, no, no, I can... I can use my credit card on Amazon, it's fine. You know, can I cook a meal? These kind of things. And it's like, the light we're talking about is not the basic needs of life. The light that Jesus brings us can illumine all of our lives. But it's not just the basic things of life. The life, the light we need is the ultimate meaning and ultimate direction that the human heart and the human soul longs for. And that's the kind of light and direction that Jesus brings us. Of course, do we need direction for Oh, cool. Was that on purpose? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, let me get my phone. Um, and, and so that was kind of fun. I don't mind talking in the dark. So, so here, here's the thing it's common, right? It's common. I love that. That's, keep it going. That's okay. It's common that you'll meet with someone and they'll say stuff like, you know, I'm working, I shop, I bought this, I, I just traveled, I'm eating, I'm sleeping but I'm looking for ultimate direction. They can list all the basic stuff, but I'm looking for ultimate direction. I'm looking for ultimate guidance. I'm looking for purpose. I'm looking for peace. And Jesus says, follow me, and you will not walk in darkness anymore because you will have the light of life. Isn't that amazing? And the direction comes in two ways, in a big way and in a small way. It's direction towards eternal life because God promises us eternal life. New creation, the fullness of time where there will be no more tears, no more pain, but peace. There's direction towards eternal life and there's direction towards everyday life. Those two directions are so vital. And here's this, this is the beautiful thing. Jesus, when we follow him, ultimately promises us and leads us to eternal life. But that eternal life, that new creation, the, the values of God's kingdom, the values of the full reign of Christ, they, we get glimpses of them over here in our life. So not just eternal life, everyday life. So the glimpse of what it means to be in relationships in eternity, God wants to bring back over here and say, I can teach you what it means to be in relationship here. What it means to be joyful or generous or humble or a posture of meekness or peaceful. What it means in all of its fullness in God's kingdom one day where the Bible says one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new creation. God you know, brings it back and says, well, if you follow Jesus today, you will catch glimpses of that. You will, you, God shows you directs you how to live in such ways. But see, what happens is we often get in the way. And so here's this next idea of light. Light doesn't only give us direction. Light uh, uh, provokes disclosure. What I mean by that is light exposes darkness. Isn't this true? In the dark, you don't know what you don't know. Have you ever caught that? You don't know what you don't know. Well, a couple of years ago, some people from, from our church invited us over, and uh, there was about a dozen people there, different age groups, and I've been to this person's house before, and I've mainly sat in the kitchen or in the living room, but that night they said, okay, guys, we're going to play sardines. The whole house is your landscape. I'm like, this is a big house, but the lights came off, so, I mean, they had a lot of rooms in their basement, and... Uh, their first floor was quite big, and then bedrooms, like, no whole, any, any place. So have you ever played sardines? You know what sardines is? So, some, so sardines is, if you're a group of 10 people, one person is kind of the main figure, and they have, all the lights are closed for about two, three minutes, and this person goes, hides somewhere in the house. And then everybody has to look for them, and whenever you find that person, you squeeze in with them like a sardine. And squeeze, 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 squeeze until the last person finds you. That's sardines. So we're in this huge house, huge basement. I'm telling you, when the lights are off, that's when you know what you, don't, you don't know what you don't know. Because when the, if this was like lights off, I would not know this plant was here or this stand. Or I wouldn't know that the edge of the stage was here. You don't know what you don't know in the dark. But as soon as you put your light on, it exposes it, right? Light provokes disclosure, Light brings uh, exposure to things. So Jesus exposes the darkness. This is how Jesus judges. How he judges the world. Not even by judging, but by exposing. By showing the world what it really is. And in that exposure, there's judgment. Because we're now laid bare. We're like, oh, God sees this. He sees this corner of my life. He sees this hidden part of me. He sees this darkness in the world. And Jesus shows the world what it really is. But when we get exposed to the light of Jesus, we get exposed to who we really are. Our darkness is exposed or our sin is exposed Or the corners of our life, the sin that entangles, the decisions that plague us, the attitudes that hurt us and hurt others, the posture of our heart towards God. When the lights go on, all of a sudden it's all seen. But the beauty of the gospel is that that light is not condemnation for those who come to Jesus because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when the light goes on, when we turn to Christ, all that stuff, God says, one, I will forgive you. Two, I will restore you and reconcile. That's the beauty in the light going on when we respond to Jesus. But for the world or parts of the world that are bent on evil or people who are bent on evil, and I don't just mean the most evil you can think up in your mind, but whatever that looks like in your own human heart, is the end of the world for someone or for the world because now we're exposed. And if this is exposed, but I want to keep it, I'm gonna, it's going to be a hindrance for me. And now it becomes the end of the world for me. It really does become judgment and condemnation. But Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we're told by Jesus he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. But when the lights go on, it exposes everything. But the beautiful thing is that in the exposure, when we really come to Christ, we find forgiveness and reconciliation, and restoration. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful, and that's freedom. Jesus is the light of the world. Yes, it exposes the darkness, but in that, when we follow him, he promises we will never walk in darkness again because we walk in his forgiveness, we walk in his restoration, we walk in his reconciliation, and that's freedom. That's freedom. So Jesus, as light, he provides direction. He provokes disclosure. But it leads to guidance and it leads to freedom. That's the promise in that. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back and I'll just close with, with a thought here. Now, I just want you to imagine this for a second. If you think about this festival that, where Jesus is teaching and this festival or this Feast of Tabernacles, really what's it doing? It's retelling, it's retelling the story of Israel, Right? And it's just at that moment retelling the wilderness moment where the pillar of light guides them through that. But I want you to think because whenever one part of the story is revealed, people remember the whole story, right? And so think about the whole story. God, as light, brings Israel out of bondage, right? Part of the story is bringing Israel out of bondage, out of slavery. Out of Egypt's oppression, and that has often for us become a metaphor for the stuff that has plagued us and and we've been in bondage to, but God brings us out of bondage, or God brings Israel out of bondage. In the wilderness, he brings them through the wilderness, and he provides light to get them through the wilderness. In the, in the darkness of the night, as they're walking through the wilderness, this pillar of, of fire is their provision of light and direction and guidance through that. And ultimately, God goes from bringing them out to bringing them through to bringing them to the promised land. That's the whole story. The whole story is that Israel was brought out of this bondage through the wilderness and towards this promised land. And I want you to think about this for a second because that is our story too. That's the story that Jesus, I believe, wants us to even imagine as he, we understand that He's light because He brings us out of stuff. He brings us out of bondage. He brings us out of a life without Him. He brings us out of a life that, that doesn't experience His fullness and His grace and His purpose and His direction. He wants to bring us out of that and In the middle of this, where is he taking us? First of all, he's taking us to new creation. But in the middle, our lives, every day, we walk through what? We walk through life. And sometimes life feels like the wilderness. Sometimes life feels like darkness. Even as we follow Jesus, the promise is towards the new creation. But we're in a world, in a world that, yes, we see glimpses of God's kingdom, but there's an overlap. We still live in a world that's plagued with sin and darkness. And detours but here's the promise for you and me. God wants to take us out of a life that was void of him. He wants to take us to new creation. But in the middle of our lives, as we live this life today, he wants to take us through the wilderness. Whatever that wilderness looks like for you or feels like for you, whatever the obstacles are in life or, or, in, or that culture brings or that sometimes even sin or temptation comes to bring, the promise is when we follow Jesus, we will never walk in darkness. He'll walk us through. He'll walk us through. And that happens when we believe in Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we follow Jesus. Jesus. That, then that story becomes our story. And here's the response for you and me. And I know many of us have already made some of these steps. We've put our belief in Christ. We believe he's the light of the world. And we've chosen to follow him. But that following is a daily thing. When we follow him, we will never walk in darkness. And some of you are here today and, you're, and you've never made that choice to believe in Jesus and to follow him. And you're stuck, you're, you're thinking, I want, I want the guidance, I want the peace, I want the direction, I want to know God, and here that step is in response to Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world, believe and follow. And if you've never made that step, maybe even this morning as we close our gathering, you might make a step towards that, choosing to believe in Jesus, and here's the beautiful promise, as we believe, he welcomes us. He says, follow, and we choose to follow. And he's already light. We don't have to make up the light. Jesus is already the light of the world. Our response is, do we believe it? Will we follow him? And then have him walk us through the wilderness towards eternal life and every day of our lives. I'm going to ask you to stand as we wrap up today and close in this way. And we're going we're to end with a, 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 one of the songs we sang today because I want to just end with our full focus and attention on Jesus today in worship. But as we pray, I um, just want to invite us to welcome the light of Jesus in our lives. And we never have to be afraid of the light of Jesus. He will show us our sin and that will humble us. He will show us our detours. That will humble us. But the promise when Jesus, his light exposes and we believe and repent and follow, he forgives and restores and guides. So there's no point in in holding back or not welcoming the light of Christ in your life because the other side of it is freedom and maybe there's a couple of us here today that need to make that decision of moving forward belief a response to follow just give you a moment for that You might simply, in response to what we've been talking about or tracking with us for the last several weeks or months, you might already know in your heart, you already might have some of the language of what that might look like just to say, God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and was buried and resurrected and ascended. I put my faith in him. I choose to trust him as Lord and leader of my life. I decide to follow him. And that response, Jesus comes flooding in and longs to lead us and guide us every day. So, just take a moment and maybe respond to God in this way, if that's where your heart is this morning. It's Jesus, thank you, God. And for all of us here, just this beautiful reminder. Jesus as light, provides direction, provokes disclosure, promises guidance and freedom. And maybe there's been areas of our life we've been holding back and not allowing Jesus to guide us, not allowing Jesus to shed his light on. Again, there's no fear because on the other side of that trust is freedom. So just bring that to God. God, ultimately, our response to Jesus is worship. And even as we use the words here, referring to you, God, referring to Christ equally, the Holy Spirit God, we're here to worship. Not just with our voices, with our lives. Not just generically or in a blanket way, God, but with our decisions, our commitments, our schedules, our finances, our relationships. God, we want to take this invitation from Jesus to follow him with all seriousness. That we would follow him with our lives. Oh God, so that no inch of our life would be in darkness. That we would welcome the light of Jesus to expose any darkness or sin or posture or attitude or behavior. And where that lands, God, we just we repent from it and are so grateful that in our repentance you receive us. you respond to us with forgiveness and you restore us. God, this promise that we will have the light of life leading us towards eternity but leading us every single day. Eternity starts now. We thank you for that, God. I just pray for any today who have made steps forward in believing in you, in following you, in putting their trust in you, oh God. Lord, I pray for their next steps in that. I pray that we could be a community that encourages and nurtures their walk with you and their faith, oh God. But I also pray for them, that you would just, through the power of your Holy Spirit, empower them, God, to walk with you, to follow you. We pray for us as a church, God, that we would be a church that declares that Jesus is the light of the world. And that we would welcome your direction and welcome your exposure of us in any ways as well, God, because there's always freedom on the other side when we trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.